ready for this? I got one thing to say. happen to be the greatest wrestling machine alive it's all here what a mega matchup universal wrestling podcast i like this kind of party baby Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick Dieterding. His name yeah. is Chris Dunn. And we have the honor and privilege to sit down with one of the greats, a WWE Hall of Famer, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Good, my friend. Nick, I appreciate having me on. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh, for, for, for a few reasons. Are you ready? Chris, but another uh, LLS is uh, is an organization that's very near and dear to my heart. Do you mind kind of just explaining to us what that is? Here in the Middle Tennessee area, I am uh, I'm really attached to two organizations that are really near and dear to my heart. One being the Salvation Army, uh, and we do a, a big red kettle campaign, uh, basically the second half of the year, but I'm, I work with them year round. But the other organization, they reached out to me and I was going to be the ambassador for the Middle Tennessee Chap Man and Woman of the Year campaign. And it's the largest yearly campaign that's run by each individual chapter. And we went out in Nashville and had the kickoff event and 24 hours later, the world shut down. <laughs> so, uh, so back to back years, I was the ambassador, and uh, I've done a lot of fo- a lot of things uh, with the LLS. Uh, it, and and you probably say, no, how did you get tied up with that? Uh, a little known fact that uh, my father-in-law, Karen's father, if he's not the oldest, he's certainly right up there. He's about to celebrate his 30th anniversary of uh, beating uh, leukemia. He's uh, maybe the longest living bone uh, marriage transplant patient um, in the country, in the world. But uh, yeah, so he had leukemia way, way back. So it has affected uh, their family, you know, obviously, uh, and he goes to the transplant games. But years ago when Karen was in in school, uh, he went out to Seattle and had the transplant. Um, The donor was Karen's brother. So um, you know, I've become familiar w- with it uh, directly through that. And then obviously uh, getting to meet the great people here in Nashville that are attached to the organization. So, yeah, uh, I've done quite a bit of work with LLS uh, and, you know, the, the research and, and of course, Roman Reigns, uh, you know, he was on the, uh, the second event that I did. It was all obviously all online and all streaming, but the, the strides and the advancements that they have done uh is is all because of awareness it, it all starts with that awareness because without awareness you can't raise funds without raise raising funds you you can't do research without research you really can't make advancements so i do anything i possibly can to uh create 
uh, awareness. Chris, you know me from my professional life. I play a lot of things, but I don't even play a doctor on TV, much less in real life. So if I can uh, wave the banner and, and create awareness, I, I yes. feel like I'm doing my part. Yeah, and you know, we're going to link to the donation page for this 10-week uh, Visionary of the Year uh, charity drive. Leukemia and lymphoma is in the name, but they have done so much amazing research for all types of blood cancer. Uh, I'm doing it for the Los Angeles area this year. Last year, they raised $17 million. And I can't tell you how much of a strong impact this organization made. So if you're listening to this, uh, please, please, uh, if you can spare yes. a dollar, $5, whatever, please, uh, please donate if you can. And that's the cool thing about, Chris, we both can relate on how technology has affected uh, the, any industry you're in. But as far as um, raising funds, uh, I call it, I like to refer to it uh as the Apple wallet generation, the, the ease of it, uh, the comfort, uh, I guess is, you know, pull your phone out of your pocket. You can, uh, get on Snapchat or TikTok and go in those rabbit holes, but you could also go in the rabbit hole of uh, raising funds and donating to a great cause. It means a lot that you're doing this and you know, the organization's psyched and we're both psyched to talk to you. Obviously we're kind of tight on time. So we're going to do a lightning round here. Uh, before I let Nick into his questions, I see the Intercontinental title um, behind you. And like, you know, growing up, I did not like you because you were such a damn good heel. When I got to meet you at WWE, every time you were in the office off the road from TV, I loved talking creative with you and Dewey Foley at, like late into the night as we waited for Vince meetings. I associate you so much with Razor Ramon. I was wondering if you had a particular match you loved or story you wanted to talk about it. We literally just covered WrestleMania 11. You know, Conrad, uh, my podcast partner on my world that drops every Tuesday. He, you know, he pivoted and said, man, you know, we didn't have this planned as a topic, but I just kind of think it's fitting uh, with Scott's passing. What about we talk about WrestleMania 11? And, and Chris, diving into that whole episode and, you know, we went back to kind of the setup, the Royal Rumble, and you're obviously familiar with with how things are set up. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> a little bit of a different generation in that from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, what a luxury this was, Chris. There was no pay-per-view. It was just <laughs> Royal Rumble jumping to Mania, so you didn't have to squeeze in uh, a, another uh, pay-per-view 10-pole event out of it. But, man, we're getting granular here, as I say on my podcast. But, no, we talked on on, on the latest uh, episode of My World about me and Scott. And, man, I've got so many memories of Scott, um, whether it be uh, circulating around that Intercontinental title or – just on the road with him traveling to Germany and the United Kingdom or small towns in Canada or the big shows at Boston garden. And me and Conrad talked about that, that, that may be kind of a, we'll call it an Easter yeah. egg, uh, yeah. a, a real fun, a, a match. Me and Scott had a ladder match in the last event ever of the old Boston garden. And I can, wow. remember, I can remember, you know, me and Scott oh, saying, now this is pretty cool. You know, Boston gardens had a lot of wrestling, but, to have yeah. a ladder match and you know that's not that far removed from him and sean's wrestlemania 10 ladder match so um really cool lots and lots of memories of scott it's really hard to nail it down to one and well we'll we'll link to we'll link to that episode when we promote this one uh one one thing that just popped in my head as you were kind of saying that you know the difference between you know back in in that era you know the one pay-per-view like no pay-per-views between you know rumble and mania I was there at WWE when you came back uh, at the Royal Rumble and then joined, you know, joined the company again uh, after, you know, being away for some time. What's was the what was the thing that surprised you the most 
between, you know, your last time in WWE and coming back? My last night um, in, in the WWF at the time uh, was against China in Cleveland on a Saturday night. Fast forward to, I went to Nitro in Philadelphia for WCW, obviously, at that time. And then the uh, a, a little thing happened called taking the company going public. So <laughs> I came back, the company was a publicly traded company. And just that premise alone not and I don't want to say just corporate because of course it's corporate. It's grown. It's big. It's got yeah. the, the WWE network and this department, that department. But it was a different landscape in in that um, very siloed. Uh, not to use that term, but it, you know, very very at times overly structured. Um, that that you know the 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 means of communication at times were just you've lived it uh, almost ad nauseum the, the lines of communication but other things this department wasn't talking to that department and i called on to that real quick that okay to really get things done um it, it's it's no different than it's other day you got to be a people person and 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 connect some departments i saw that almost immediately yeah, yeah you know it's funny a lot of people come out and obviously it's it's sad anytime lose, people lose their job there have been a lot of layoffs at wwe since you and i both left um and I think part of that, obviously, you know, again, it's a publicly traded company and you got, you know, you got a stock call once a quarter. I think part of that is just like, there are just so many people, I think, uh, adding a streamline to the company yep. was part of that mission. But running organizations, I, I truly think to give a very, very super small analogy, but at TNA in the lean and mean years, when it was a very, very much a skeleton crew, um, it's, you know, it's, it's three phone calls and everyone knew, you know, you talk to production, you talk to talent, and then you talk to marketing slash, you know, those days, early social media, then your bases were covered. It just doesn't operate that way anymore. But uh, it's, uh, you know, they're coming off the most profitable year in their history. So yeah. that's off. They're doing a lot of things right. I'll just say yeah. that. AEW just recently announced that Owen Hart Cup will take place uh, beginning of May. Do you have any thoughts on that? Hey, just about every interview I've done. 90 plus percent of them uh, would be a question about the Owen Hardy Invitational, which I love because at the end of the day, no matter who's in it or who's out of it and, and everything that goes with it, I'm, I'm excited to see it as the next person. But Owen's legacy still lives on in so many ways. Yes. The Owen Hart Foundation has a brand new set of eyeballs. The Owen Hart um, in-ring legacy is one thing, but the, the out of ring, the, the legacy, the father, the husband, the uncle, the brother, the friend, yes, all, all of that that goes with it uh, is uh, being exposed uh, to a whole new audience. People can choose to click and go find more about his professional career. But at the end of the day, the Owen Hart Foundation is continuing to help people and that's the spirit that I truly believe is life-changing and who Owen was when he walked this earth. He, he was a life-changing guy just in his day-to-day -day actions. Have you ever been in a situation where a guitar you have used or has been used on you has not been gimmicked properly? It's not a, uh, it's not an exact science. It's just not. Um, 
And everybody, you know, I've used the same guy for several years now, dating back, you know, uh, look, different folks can different make it, whether, whether I work for independent promotion or whatever it may yeah. be. And, and WWE has their team and their skill set. And TNA had this and that, all this. But at the end of the day, um, but guitars aren't made like they used to be. <laughs> years ago, they were predominantly made in America and they were put together somewhat by hand. Yeah, there were some machines that went to it and carving the wood, all that, but all that. But now they're shipped overseas. They're they're China manufactured, they're pressed, they're glue pressed. And so uh, candidly, um, they can be super dangerous. Uh, because it's, it's, it's not, you know, you're, you're not getting the explosion. Uh, you're, you're getting a, uh, a whack across the head that, uh, it's sometimes is not real forgiving. If that makes sense. A hundred percent does. Uh, you kind of were there when he was coming up. Uh, do you have a good triple H memory or a match that you really liked working with him or like a moment where you kind of realized like, Oh, this guy has it and is going to have the hall of fame career he has. From the very first time I met him, his demeanor as a young 20-something-year-old man was different. He took the business super, super serious. And, you know, I was, I guess you could say I was raised around a generation of 70s, early 80s. I'm not that old, but, you know, I got in the dressing room, first time I was in the dressing room, 82 or 83 as a, as a kid as a high, junior high kid, but you know, my first match was 86. So being around those dressing rooms with that, you had a lot of, I mean, blowing and going, whether it's Austin Idol or Tommy Rich, or I mean, a young Paul Heyman, or I could go on and on on the list of names, but you know, first time I met Paul, super serious student of the game. Look, great personality, funny yeah. sense of humor, dry at times, just a damn hilarious. But he always had the mindset of um, dead set on business. And so that yeah. set him apart, which I always respected. Um, at, at times, uh, you know, I was raised that way. My grandmother was all about business. My dad was all about business. I just think my natural personality is I like to joke around and, and have fun and all that. When it's time to do business, it's time to do business. But I always really, really respected that out of Paul. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jeff, what is uh, one of your favorite moments from TNA, like pre-Spike TV? Pre-Spike TV? Uh, wow. Um, I guess when Puppet pulled a gun on me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> In the Asylum, those shows, yes. two hours, there are so many hidden gems. It was obviously a small audience, pay-per-view only. It, it just wasn't, you know, a, a uh, you know, we weren't on on cable television there are some matches that come from the asylum and I could probably talk quite a while, whether I was producing them or whether I was in the ring. I mean, a young AJ styles with that kind of athletic ability. And he really wasn't that seasoned, but man, his pardon the pun, but his phenomenal talent there you and go. also his phenomenal athletic talent. There are some AJ style matches, whether he was my opponent, maybe my partner, uh, but, but, or, or maybe I was, uh, executive producing it, just those asylum matches. There, there's a lot of fun one. And then one that goes without saying the Raven series of matches, it was just the right time, the right place. And we built and built and built for that. And, yeah. you know, the you know, a weekly episodic pay-per-view, but you know, they, they were lined up at two or three in the afternoon and the building was full 
90 minutes before showtime. And it's like, okay, they came to see this. So uh, we're running out of time. So just quickly, and those matches were great. Uh, Nick had a great question that I thought was great because I don't think people realize how important this is because I have seen pushes begin and die off this. Uh, the punch. You have one of the best working yes. punches. Why is it important? And what is the secret to a good working punch? Wow. Why? So you're asking, why is it important? Yeah, just because people, I think they okay. watch a match now, there's flips and all these things. They don't understand the, the gravity of a punch. It, it, to this day, guys, it amazes me, the talent. Not that if you throw a bad punch, why are you throwing it? It's just, it's mind-boggling. But it's almost like playing a basketball game and not being able to dribble, in my opinion. It, it, it's, it's such a basic, but it is the transition because at the end of the day, you know, not to create rocket science here, it's good versus evil. We're going to get in the ring, two guys, one guy's 10 on one side, one guy, you're going to fight. So if you're going to fight, you're going to do something that at least simulates that you're hurting the guy. And if you can't do one move, just don't do it. So I, I've, I would, but I, you know, I was raised that way. I had maybe the very best teacher in Jerry Lawler and yeah. Jerry Lawler is the one that would give little nuances, but look, by osmosis, you watch his punch versus other guys punches and look, uh, Dundee could throw a good short jab. Dutch could throw a pretty good punch. There, there were guys that learned it, but I really studied Lawler. And, and to me, it is it, it a, a good punch. It, it, it's a lot more than just the right hand. The left hand's involved. The shoulders are involved. The hips are involved. Actually, both legs are involved. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a complete motion. Boy, we got granny layer, Chris. Good question. But uh, I, I do think it is overlooked in the fact that it's not just swinging the arm. Hey, I've been there where a lot of your favorite wrestlers from that come up to the main roster. If somebody sees a uh, – if someone seems like they can't break an egg with a punch, they are, they are not getting a push. That's it. It's um, over. Game yeah, set match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so quickly, and if we got to call, we got to call it uh, two, two final questions. One, uh, a person who had a major impact on my career at WWE, probably two or one of the two or three people, um, good friend of yours, Brian uh, James, the road dog. Uh, everyone knows why he was so great on camera. Why is he so great behind the scenes? When you really drill down with a road dog, he's second generation. His father, very sharp mind electric personality, peel everything back. Brian has a gift. He has a creative gift that's been bestowed upon him from God or the higher power. You know, some folks can sing, some can't. Some folks can draw, some can't. Some people can cook, some people can't. There's just some talents that just innately come. Brian has a very creative brain and he has the ability to step back. And Chris, I'm sure you've witnessed this and to see a big picture. If you have the ability to step back and see a vision as opposed to, uh, you know, a real a micro look, Brian has that. And I have always, I mean, from the day that he became my roadie, he saw a bigger picture and let's do this. And he's got, he's just got a real creative brain. Yeah, I think it's. I'm biased because I, I like him a lot, but I, I I think it's hard to find anybody better to a wrestling show on than, than Brian James. Um, and finally, uh, do you have a match that uh, you look back fondly on, or a favorite match more than any other? Or I mean, Shawn Michaels, and we talked about Scott Hall off the top. Uh, my early matches with Jerry Lawler, 
uh, Jerry Lauer and the Moondogs, Kurt Angle matches. You know, th there's a lot of matches that I had with Kurt that, Candy, at that stage of my career, I wasn't expecting to have those of hard hitting, those length, those high profile. I, that body of work I'm super proud of. Uh, so it's hard to name one. Uh, you know, the matches I had when I was 19 years old against Kurt Henning. I look back on that and I'm like, man, Kurt was great. He led a kid that didn't know a damn thing what was going on uh, to a pretty good match. So uh, it's hard to name one, Chris. Awesome. Nice. Um, yeah. Jeff, it's, it's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you for coming on. As much fun as it was asking you some questions, I think it's more important that you came on. Chris, again, making awareness for such an important cause. Thanks, Nick. You're listening to this. The link will be there. Do what you can. It is one of the greatest organizations that really, you know, wrestling doesn't change lives. Well, it can, but LLS literally changes and saves lives. So I appreciate everybody listening today. Thanks, guys. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to watch this interview, hop on YouTube, search the Universal Wrestling Podcast. You can find this interview, the JBL interview, and a lot of good content. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for tuning in. Next episode is going to be amazing. Special guest to be determined. Yes, I'm not telling you. You got to wait. You got to tune in. This is all for a good cause. There's a link in the description. Please click that link and donate if you can. A dollar, 50 cents, a penny, whatever you can do to support this cause. It's a great cause. And it's helping so many people. Let's find the cure. You can find us on YouTube at the Universal Wrestling Podcast, on Twitter at the UW Pod, and Instagram at UW Podcast. As always, thank you very much. Peace. Yeah, Peace. Baby. Peace. Yeah. Peace. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Check us out on the web at uwpod.com. You've got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.